morning. I told their 8.30 service I was appreciative of them because they were kind of a, a guinea pig of sorts sometimes that uh, they were responsible. Their facial responses were responsible for what happens at 11. Uh, so if it just falls flat, that uh, I'd probably change a couple things. But, uh, but they were kind of asleep anyway, so it was kind of hard to tell if it was just asleep or if it was, but I, but I think we're good. So I think we're going to stay with the same, same, same topic, uh, same sermon. Uh, we are in uh, our series, our stewardship series, uh, Remain in Me, uh, and I, I'm really uh, excited about this series and the way we're doing it, the angle we're taking this year with our stewardship series, because it's not just a financial focus, uh, that that is a part of uh, the, our discipline, a part of our spiritual disciplines that we have is how we respond uh, financially to the grace of God in us. But as we, but we're focusing on just remaining in Christ, uh, just like uh, the fruit remains in, on, uh, on a vine and receives its nourishment, and from that, the fruit comes. That comes is financial. It is, but also spiritual. Is also many different ways in which God uh, uses His nourishment for us, uh, His grace that flows through uh, His vine to us. Uh, and shows itself. And so today we're talking about being provoked or provoking one another uh, to good works and some of that fruit that should come out in our life and good works. But as a result of, not to earn the love of God, but as a result of all that Christ has done in us and for us and with us, uh, that that should be the fruit of that. And so um, Hear the now the scripture for today, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and with our and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. I was uh, reminded of uh, when I was in high school of a, a young uh, lady at the time she was my age. I didn't think of her as a young lady then, but now I do. Uh, young lady, Kathy. And uh, well, I was, uh, I think I mentioned this in my last sermon, and you maybe heard bits and pieces of this already, but uh, I was, uh, went to Christian Brothers, and it's for those at Christian Brothers, I apologize for saying this, but I was very much a typical Christian Brothers high school guy, at least at the time. And so I drank a lot. And, uh, and, I, and I did a lot of things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And, uh, and Kimberly, I'm not sure which Andy you knew. You probably, I don't know if you knew. Uh, we had similar friends, but I think she hung out with my good friends. That, uh, but, uh, but I was pretty wild. And uh, so all that was, was happening, and I came to know Christ uh, just before my senior year of high school. And so uh, that was around about July. I was on a retreat, and uh, myself and a, and a couple friends, uh, we all— decided to give our life to Christ, and, uh, and it, we were kind of challenged in that, and we decided to do that, and so with that came uh, a lot of change, internally, uh, obviously, and also externally, wanting to lay aside 
all the things that I was doing that most people knew me for, uh, and uh, at least on Friday and Saturday nights. And so I was semi-successful in that, uh, except uh, for a month or two. Uh, but And we had made a public kind of profession to everybody in the youth group. There's about 100 and so odd, some odd people in the youth group. And But uh, one weekend, uh, we were out and about, my buddy and I, and we just kind of gave into our old life. We started drinking a little bit and then drinking a lot. And uh, we're at a party where a lot of people saw us. And, um, and so I didn't really think that much of it. I was really feeling bad about it, but uh, then it wasn't that different from what I was used to. But Sunday night, youth group, we were there, uh, all of us, and, uh, and Kathy, um, who I didn't know really well. She was in the youth group, and at the time, I was not happy about what she did. But now, looking back on it, I look at the incredible uh, courage it took for her to do this, and it took for her and the confidence that she must have had in Christ, and that she was following this scripture about about provoking one another in love and to, and to love and for good works. So Kathy uh, stood up or asked uh, James, our youth minister, if, if she could say something, and she did, and he asked, he, she said, um, uh, you know, James, uh, I saw Andy and his friends out Friday night doing exactly what they told us they weren't going to do anymore. And the whole time I'm going, oh, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and how dare you? And so, but sure enough, Kathy uh, called us out. And looking back, rightfully so, and boldly so. Uh, and so we were challenged in that. And I remembered that for a long time. Uh, and we'll come back to Kathy in a little while. Uh, Therefore, my friends, since we had the confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, over the house of God. There was this, uh, the, the temple 2,000 years ago. And there, in the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, uh, the place where God was said to dwell. Uh, in order to have access to God, you would have to direct access to God, you would have to be in the Holy of Holies. The problem was nobody had access. Nobody, could, except for one, could go into the presence of God. There were limitations, uh, and that's what a lot of this uh, passage is falls into that context. I also remember uh, a Sunday uh, a while back, I was associated in another church, and, um, and we had a, a service at 11 that was separate from the, the main service, and it was in the, the chapel. And uh, we were on Easter Sunday. We knew the chapel would probably be filled, so we moved our service to the sanctuary, I mean, to the fellowship hall. And we're going to have our services at the fellowship hall. And one part of that service is that we had communion every Sunday. So our volunteers and our communion servers, they all got it together and got everything set up in the fellowship hall. And so uh, we had our service. It was a wonderful service. We had communion, and everybody came to communion. And then we were cleaning everything up, and our volunteers were bringing all the communion elements back to uh, the chapel. And one of my uh, communion servers came to me after she was just in tears. I said, what in the world? What happened? What's the matter? She goes, I just ran into a woman, and she was uh, at our service, and she asked me if she could take communion. And she says, I didn't want to go forward because my daughter woke me up late. We weren't planning on coming to church, but she talked me into coming to church on Easter. And I just didn't feel like I was dressed well enough to go, into the, go up for communion. 
And she said it just broke her heart. Of course, she asked the right person. She just explained to her that it's God's grace, says that it doesn't matter how you're dressed, and that God loves us. She explained all that to her, uh, and it, but it just broke her heart. And stayed with me for, uh, well, obviously till today, uh, that that woman was like so, much, so many of us, that oftentimes we feel like that we're not worthy to go to God. And the truth of the matter is we're not worthy. But that's what grace is. Grace is the undeserved favor of God for us, that God looks upon us favorably, that God looks upon us with love based on what Jesus did not based on what we have done. So we're all worthy to go to the presence of God. And so that's part of what we're hearing here is in this temple, in this, uh, this first part, verse 19 and 20 and 21, that something has changed because of Jesus. I referenced the temple, and now the temple structure of the day. So everybody who was Jewish, everybody who lived in Jerusalem, everybody who was anywhere near was familiar with this structure. The temple was, was set up in such a way that you were always aware of where you stood in relationship to the presence of God. That where, how much access you could have based on who you were, who, you, who your family was, what nationality you were, what gender you were, all of this would limit or, or give you access to the presence of God. Because right in the middle of the temple was the Holy of Holies. That's where God's presence was said to dwell. But on the outside, there was what was called the Court of the Gentiles. And it was really a social place. It was a place, it was a marketplace. It was a place where everybody could, could go to there. And that, if you were a Gentile, a non-Jew, that's as far as you could go. You could not, it was very clearly marked on the walls, <laughs> on the gates, that you could not go any farther if you were uh, a Gentile, a non-Jew. So beyond that, there was another courtyard. It was called the Courtyard uh, of the Women. Because this is as far as women were allowed to go. There was another courtyard. You're still a good ways off from the Holy of Holies. And women could not go any closer. That somebody else would have to go on their behalf to the presence of God. And then there was another temple, another courtyard. That was the courtyard for the Israelites. That's where the Jewish men were allowed to go uh, there and no farther unless you were a priest. And there were signs that would say you can that no... Uh, only priests could go anywhere past this, this wall and this gate. And so they, they knew that somebody else would have to go on their behalf to the presence of God. And then you had the area for the priests where they would be. And they would be right outside. Uh, they would be in the altar area right outside the Holy of Holies. But there was one man who could go into the great high, the high priest who could go into the presence of God at, at a certain time in a certain way if he'd been richly cleansed in, the, in just the right way. And if he was born from the right family, right nationality, right gender, everything was right. He could go into the presence of God on behalf of all the people. And just in case he didn't tell him about a sin or just in case he wasn't perfectly cleansed they would tie a rope around his waist because if he died uh, in the presence of God nobody could go get him so they would pull him out and uh <laughs> but uh it was good planning uh that uh that was the situation and now hear the scripture again therefore my friends since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary that holy of holies and he's talking to all of us to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us, 
through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, therefore let us approach. We are invited because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. We may all come to the communion table and receive. We may all come to Jesus when he calls to us. We may all come to the presence of God. In fact, the presence of God comes to us. Yet he also calls us to draw near to him. That there, no matter who we are, no matter how we feel, no matter what is taking place, no matter what's going on in our house, Jesus calls to us to draw near. And that's the first thing in, in verse 22. Let us approach. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. I went to a, a Atlanta Braves game and a San Francisco Giants game many years ago. I was with some buddies, and we had a camping tri trip that went awry, and we cut it short. Off, it was a whole other story. I'm sure you're here at some other point in time. It was horrible, but on the way back to make it all good, uh, we decided to stop by. We're going through Atlanta, stop at Braves game and just and watch that game. They were playing the Giants, and I was kind of bragging because I knew one of the pitchers for uh, the Giants, and uh, he was uh, one of the uh, closers for the Giants, and, and so I was telling all these, I said, yeah, yeah, me and Jeff, we go way back. We're good, good buddies. We're best friends, really, and uh, <laughs> that it really tight. And see, Jeff was kind of a one-off friend, really. I kind of knew him. He, his, the youth group that he the church where he grew up in Mississippi, they used to go to this retreat that my church would go to. We've had a few conversations. But uh, <laughs> I think he knew who I was. Long conversations. I, I think I wasn't sure. But he was my best friend. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, here he is. And sure enough, we're up in our seats. And there, I was like, yeah, there, Jeff right there. Here, oh, look, he's, he's warming up. That's great. Jeff, best friends. And uh, <laughs> that he would, he would love to see me, if I, but I'm not going to bother him. They said, I'll go on down there. No. And, uh, and they pushed me into it. And I think they know. Oh, no, he's not going to. He doesn't know him. And so, so I go on down, and I'm walking with confidence. But it's that kind of confidence that it's just pretending that I know that I'm just, that things going to work out all right. But I walk with confidence that, because that's how you get past these guards usually uh, at places like this. You just walk <laughs> like you belong. And, uh, and I did. I got pretty far until I got right, I don't know, about 20 rows above where uh, the bullpen was, where they were warming up. And the guy stopped me, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, Jeff, best friend. Uh, we're, we're tight. You know, it's kind of thumbs up to my friends, and we're all good. And uh, he goes, oh, okay, yeah, great. He says, call out to him. If he recognizes you, then, then I'll let you go on down. I go, oh, okay, yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, I was scared to death, but confidently, I yell out, Jeff, Jeff, really? He, he, he kind of looks up, and he, and he goes, Rambo, come on down. I'll say, ah. And so, sure enough, and I went on down. And, uh, and I found out I had access. And so I went and talked to him, and my buddies were like, he knows him. And that was cool, and it was great. Uh, it was a really cool time. Uh, we are, not because we met somebody one day, not because of this, we are allowed to the presence of God, like I've said. He says, let us approach, in verse 22, with a true heart. And this is what he does in us, in full assurance of faith. And the faith is that we trust that he is allowing us into his presence when, when there's nothing we have done to make that happen. Our faith is that we trust that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus rises from the dead, that because of who Jesus is and that we remain and we dwell in Jesus and we're connected to Jesus, because of that, we may go into his presence with full confidence that he welcomes us in. He says, with a true heart. 
He says, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil consciences. That means one thing that Jesus promises to do within us is because we dwell in him and he in us and remain in him and he in us, because of that, that he sprinkles our heart, he, he cleanses our heart. That's the internal cleansing that Jesus does. The guilt that comes uh, uh, from an evil conscience, from a conscience that has fallen short. That voice within us that says, Andy, you don't need to be up there preaching because remember this, 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 and this. Or, you know what, you don't need to be serving with uh, the ministries that are available. Or you don't need to be helping here because remember this, this, and this. This is who you are. That voice that says you're not worth it or you're not worthy. Jesus says you are because I've sprinkled your heart clean. I'm cleansing you from within and continually do so as you fall, continually forgiving you, continually cleansing you, continually empowering you to be who he's called us to be. It says that our bodies washed with pure water. So that's the external. So not only is he changing us from within, but he's also leading us to change uh, on the outside. That he's fully cleansing us and making us pure and making us uh, who he's called us to be so that we may be in his presence, that we may worship him that we may come into his presence at all times. He said, that's the first, let us, let us approach him, and also now let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. He wants us to remember that which has been promised for us. If you read uh, all the letters in the New Testament that Paul has written and others have written, that you'll see over and over again uh, a talk of hope. And it's not just the hope that I have uh, just last night that, uh, or yesterday afternoon as I think about the football game, the Tennessee versus Akron. And, and, and we got some wounds here as Tennessee friend, friend, fans that Tennessee versus Akron, we're not thinking, hey, this, oh, easy. We're thinking this thing could go bad eat fast. And so I, I said, I hope Tennessee doesn't embarrass us. And uh, that's not the hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about an assurance. The hope of the, of the scriptures is an absolute hope, an assurance in something that has been promised to us, that Jesus has promised to us, and a hope that uh, is based in his faithfulness, not our faithfulness. He talk, talks all the time through the New Testament about an inheritance that is awaiting us that has been promised to us, that we can do whatever he's called us to do here. We can be as bold as he's called us to be here. We can be as confident as he's called us to be here in this earth because we know what is guaranteed is the hope of the promise of the inheritance of the place at his table, the place at his altar, the place at his side has been promised to us. And because of that, we can have all assurance and all confidence here in this world. He says, hold fast to that hope. And when we're challenged, when we hear those voices when we, within us, when, whatever we may be facing, hold fast to the confession of our hope and all that Jesus has done and has promised for us. And lastly, it says, let us consider how to provoke. Uh, Kathy knew how to provoke in a good way. Provoking can be good and could be bad, uh, but I do remember, uh, again, in high school, and I mentioned probably last time that you're going to hear a lot of reminders of when I was in shape and, and ran. That was 30-something years ago. And, uh, but you're going to hear that because you'll see me over time as somebody who's in shape and who can do that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's my plan. And, uh, but back in high school, I was running the 800. This is my senior year, and uh, I chose before the season started to go to 
over Gatlinburg to ski, not a good idea. Uh, you know, a little bit of snow, a lot of rocks. I hit the rocks. And so I hurt my knee, and so I was out for a good bit of the season. And it was going to be uh, the season for me. And so when I came back in, and by the time regionals came around, I was kind of back to where I was the year before, maybe. And, uh, but I was still trying my very best. But regionals was, was here, and uh, normally we're used to the 800 not mattering that much because it's late into the meet. And people aren't staying around usually for, for the 800. And uh, it definitely, n nobody's worried about the results as much because our team was pretty much ahead by that point, by enough points. But this is regionals and we weren't. It was very close. It was within a couple uh, uh, points uh, of, of whoever was next behind us. And so my race actually mattered. And so uh, I was running it and I was, I was excited, I was into it, and I was going my first lap, but I was probably, I don't know, in fourth place, and as I was running, and I was taking off, and I was trying, and then I turned the corner, and the very last corner was Coach Brock and uh, Coach Ligon, huge men, and uh, Coach Ligon was our strengthening coach, and his famous quote was, a man never drowned in sweat. And uh, <laughs> therefore, you can never sweat too much, uh, is what I think he is saying. That you want to worry about dehydration, you never drown in sweat, work as hard as I can tell you to work. And then there's Coach Brock, who we found out at some point in time, we discovered he was the ebony assassin. He was the one on every Saturday morning who would get beat by the wrestlers on Saturday morning wrestling. And the ebony, so he was huge, the ebony assassin. So they were on this corner. And I was running, and, uh, and I was kind of, I was tired, I was worn out, I was kind of falling back, and still had not evidently secured the points yet. I was not in the position I needed to be. And so he had me, and they, they were going, just barking at me, and like they would, like, and you could just kind of imagine, go, Rambo, let's go, just barking, and go, go, go. And I was just getting, yeah. And I was running, and I was speeding up, and I passed the next guy, I passed the next guy. And uh, I didn't get first, but I, I was me and the guy in second, and that's all I needed. Me and the guy in second were just running side by side, coaches barking and coaches barking, and they're yelling. And I'm going, and this is my proudest moment in athletics. As we're running, the guy next to me just collapses. Uh, <laughs> and I just wore him down. And, uh, and then I don't think Jesus tells us to do it, but... Uh, <laughs> But we run and we secure the points. So excited, provoking us going that we need people in our corner who are calling to us. Maybe not the exact same way, maybe uh, that they were calling to us. We need people like Kathy who are willing to say the hard truth to us at times. You're not doing what you said you, you were going to do. You're not living the life that you said you're going to live. You've asked us to hold you accountable, and, and so I'm going to. We need the people in our life who are cheering us on, who know that we're, we're, we're falling back, that know that we're getting tired, that are cheering us on saying, continue the race. Hold fast to the confession. Remember who you are in Christ. Uh, follow uh, Christ in everything. Move forward, provoking us on. And God has called us to be that person in the lives of others. Whether it be challenging you to be a part of all the ministries that we have going on here and the mission uh, uh, opportunities that we have. And, you know, Jackie, you know, with Room in the Inn, she's going to be provoking you. Y'all know that? And she's going to be all over you about Room in the Inn. And, and whether it be food pantry, there's lots of opportunities. And the reason that Jackie is uh, provoking us to be a part of Room in the Inn 
It's not because she just needs this ministry to succeed because there's a little money coming by the side. Uh, the reason is because she has found that it has made an incredible difference to her to see these men and these women who come and who you have an opportunity to serve and to love and to, to spend time with. And because of that, her life has been uh, filled with joy because of that and wants you to be a part of that. There's all kinds of opportunities, whether it be something you sign up for or just throughout the day. Make sure you surround yourself with people who are provoking you, people who are pestering you even, people who are challenging you to be the best. And when they do, respond. A lot of us sometimes, uh, for a long time in my life, uh, when it came to mission work, people would always tell me, Andy, you got to do this. You got to go on these mission trips. You got to do this. And you tell me I got to do something. I've got that in my heart. It says, not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> what I got to do is, is say yes to Jesus. That I got to do. The rest of it, maybe not. Uh, if you tell me I have to, I'm not going to. And I was just hard to that. But finally, at some point I did, uh, went on a mission trip, went on, did some other stuff. Uh, and my heart was just filled with joy. I'd been provoked. I'd been challenged. And finally, I stopped. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to these voices to me that are calling me to step beyond myself. And my life filled with joy uh, in a way that never had before. And then remember that what we do, that's what Kathy reminded me. What we do matters. Others notice. What we do matters to others. So let's live a life that is consistent with the calling and the hope that has been given to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to a ministry that is far greater than ourselves, that you have placed us in relationship uh, with Christ, given us that opportunity and opened the doors so that we may have full access and place us in relationship with each other so that we may lift each other up, we may push each other forward, and that we may be encouraged ourselves to live out the life that you have called us to live. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now invite our ushers to come.